Hi, everybody. Stuart Gandalf here. Welcome to our podcast. Today, I am pleased to host Ed Bennett. And Ed is a friend of mine and uh, a very respected figure in the world of healthcare and internet. In fact, I'm going to let Ed introduce himself in a moment. Um, Ed is currently founder of the martech.health vendor directory. Previously, Ed was also with the University of Maryland Medical System. And Ed, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you, Stuart. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I mentioned earlier, you're kind of a legend in this business and you've actually received some recognition. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, just to give listeners a little bit of context of what your areas of expertise are and how we got to the, this meeting today. Sure. Well, that's normally a four-hour story, so I'll try to keep it down to less than a minute. <laughs> um, I, I got into the internet in the mid-90s, uh, back when it was just starting to become the commercial entity that it is now, and really saw that this was going to be a game changer and make big, a huge difference you know, for, for every person in every industry. Uh, across the uh, across the world, and so I got into it very early. I started my career in the mid '90s, helping companies get set up with their first website, uh, and I found that I really enjoyed the process of understanding uh, how the business functions would work on on the internet. Uh, so, although I built a lot of web, you know, first generation websites, I also spent most of my time talking to the business owners, understanding what their business was, how it worked, and figuring out how that could translate into how the web functioned at least back in the you know, mid-90s. And then around 1999, I left uh, that kind of consulting uh, type of uh, business and took a position at the University of Maryland Medical System and was put in charge of their digital program, uh, building their first website uh, that grew into uh, search engine marketing and optimization, uh, mobile, social media, a whole bunch of other things. And um, was there for about 17, 18 years, and then left uh, to start this new business, Martech.health, which is a vendor directory for our industry, uh, focused on healthcare communications marketing. We're going to talk today about how to choose a healthcare marketing agency, which is a topic, obviously, our firm is an agency. Uh, There's a lot of different agencies out there with different areas of expertise. So this will be sort of an interactive discussion talking about your experience with this. So Ed, again, with his vendor directory at martech.health, and you can certainly search through the list of um, uh, lots and lots of different agencies and different types of vendors there as well. And also Ed is available if you're looking for more curated ideas you have a specific request and a specific need, you can certainly contact Ed, and his contact information will be available on the post. Ed, tell us about, when we were talking offline a little bit, we were talking about when you're approaching this kind of a task where I need a marketing company or a marketing agency, where do I even begin? Help us through the process here. Well, this is one of those uh, problems that has lots of different dimensions, and you have to kind of weigh lots of different factors before you can figure out what the right, right choice is. So how I try to frame things up uh, to start with is to get a better, better understanding of exactly what is the goal or the task that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, what drove you to feel that you needed a new vendor or um, maybe not a, a vendor for the first time for a particular type of service or maybe a new vendor if you're dissatisfied with your current one. So what were the factors that drove you to that? Um, and then look at what exactly is it that you need to accomplish with that vendor? 
And then how does that fit into where you are as an organization? Do you have, for example, do you have, um, are you fully staffed with lots of really uh, excellent professional people who understand the nuances of the thing that you're trying to do and you simply need a vendor that can provide a set of services and you've got the staff that understands how to make use of them? Or are you really new to whatever the new the thing is you're trying to accomplish and you need a vendor that can really help guide you into best practices and kind of hold your hand as you get up to speed to it and you're able to take it on um so those are some of the factors that you start off that you have to kind of drill down in a conversation to figure out you know what are what are the limitations and advantages that you're looking for in a particular vendor uh to help figure out which is the right one for you um, I could stop now. I could go on for another half hour. But, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. But I mean, that, that, sure. that's sort well, of like the, first, that's like the very first step in figuring out where do we start. So let me ask with the mindset when you're talking to people where they're considering a new vendor, what, mm-hmm. uh, what, where is, what are they thinking? Are they worried about making a mistake? Are they trying to get a sense of uh, what even matters or what the criteria are? What are the kinds of common you know, mindsets people would have as they begin to approach this process? Well, many times what I'll find is that folks will have a certain set of preconceptions about what they're trying to accomplish with, uh, you know, the new vendor. Um, You know, in the digital space, there are things are changing so quickly and all the different uh, things that that matter or change all the time that it's very difficult sometimes to really understand exactly it is what it is that exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Um, so a lot of my my questions are to truly drill down to that and get to get a very concrete idea of what you're trying to accomplish. So someone may come to me and say, "We need a mobile app." And so I, the natural conversation is, "Well, why do you think you need a mobile app? Um, what are you trying to accomplish?" Many times that conversation will lead us to decide that a mobile app isn't what they really need. They just think they need it. Um, but there might be something that uh, they, they could tweak that they're doing already that would solve that, that particular ask. So a lot of times it's a matter of weighing what is the expertise that you have on hand uh, and balancing that against what you need out of the vendor. Uh, so many times you'll find that you'll have, you might have staff that understand exactly what they, they're trying to accomplish they need someone to just help them get started and try to provide the right infrastructure. Other times you'll find that they need uh, someone who can really hold their hand and walk them through the whole process. What do you find are some of the biggest challenges to finding the right vendor? You know, again, there's certainly a lot of people out there. What are the, what are the things that hold them back? I think it can be very confusing because uh, in the digital space, uh, there can be a lot of um, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt <laughs> um, as you're trying to understand concepts that are being bandied about to figure out what is really important and what isn't. So a lot of what I try to do is really get down to the nuts and bolts and make sure that the vendors are, ans- are answering the questions that really matter. Um, so what we find sometimes is that um, you find the, the right vendor is going to be the one that's pr- asking those questions right off the bat instead of just saying, sure, you want a mobile app? We can build a mobile app for you. Um, uh, so a good vendor will be taking that step back to make sure that what they offer really is a good fit for what you need. And then if it's not, then guiding you to the right person. What are, 
some of the mistakes people make in your experience when they're working, looking for the vendor process? What are the, some of the really common things that you can predict uh, before you even get started? Yeah. I think a lot of times some of the factors that folks may come in and have a, a very strong opinion about that really should be examined are things like, what is the size of the organization? Do you need someone that is big and has a huge structured process um, and can do a hundred different things? Or do you really need someone who is an expert in a very particular niche, executes on that really well, um, and is small and nimble and can quickly respond to your needs? So a lot of times, this is uh, so that's one of the first set of questions is to figure out what is it that it, you exactly in terms of the size of the organization and the diversity of the services they offer um, and the focus that they have, uh, what, is the, what are those factors that really would be the right fit for you? Um, you know, my directory, I will ask vendors to pick the services they offer, but then give that a weight. Do they focus 100% on one service or do they, are they, you know, a broader agency that looks at you know, a dozen or so different services and offers them all equally? So many times you're looking for that one person who is 100% laser focused on one niche. Uh, other times you want someone that can pull in other types of services uh, that might be uh, needed as you as you go along on the project. Uh, so a lot of that just really gets back to um, how comfortable are you that you can that in what you're asking for, so that you can get what it is that's really going to be a good fit for your needs. Now, Ed, of course, most of your experience is with hospitals and health systems, and of course, our readers certainly comprise of hospitals and health systems, but also you know, smaller and larger enterprise level practices, pharma, device, lots of different categories. But, you know, as this relates to the hospital market specifically, although I think these principles apply across the board, let's talk a little bit about healthcare experience. You know, in your experience, mm-hmm. when uh, at least from the hospital and health system side, do you find that uh, people are, you know, commonly really want to have healthcare experience? Maybe some are trying to think out of the box and don't want healthcare experience. Maybe some of the pros and cons, and what you would advise on that particular topic. Yeah, it's a really it's a really important question. You know, back when I first started at the University of Maryland Medical System in the late '90s and early you know early 2000s, uh, sort of the default mode was we need a vendor that's 100% focused on healthcare because no one really understands health. No one. Uh, we're special. We're different than every other industry. So we need a vendor that's that all they do is focus on healthcare. Um, that really started to change as the internet became more and more important to all the marketing and communications efforts that healthcare organizations did. Um, especially as the uh, commercialization of healthcare came along, where people uh, were the consumer, people were treating as a consumer experience, like they expect to see star ratings for their doctors. They expect to be able to do online appointments and and all those those convenience things that we're comfortable now, uh, or we expect from our organizations. They now expected hospitals to do that. So then hospitals realized, well, maybe we should bring in vendors who have a lot of experience in other industries, uh, so that they can bring to us uh, the best. Uh, practices from those industries and help us fit the, fit those into what we do in healthcare. So I think right now, I'd be very surprised if any large organization said, um, 
we need a vendor and they have to be 100% focused on healthcare. I really think that right now, most organizations are going to look at that and say, we need to find a balance. We need someone who knows healthcare, but also can come back to us with their experience and best practices in other industries. Another question that uh, I often comes up is depending on the scope of the what needs to be done, right? So sometimes somebody or are, are people are looking for an agency of record where they really want to mm. have the general contractor who's handling most, if not everything. But certainly in the hospital market, at least, oftentimes it's, it's something more specific. They may have either right. act as their own general contractor, they may have an agency of record, but they want to work where you know somebody's doing the SEO and somebody else is doing paid social and somebody else is doing mm-hmm. something else. How important is for the vendor to be able to play well with you know the other people that may be involved, both internal resources and external resources? Well, I would say that's absolutely critical. I mean, the days of uh, a vendor coming to you and saying, um, we're going to sell you this product and here's a system and all the data is inside this walled garden and nobody else can ever see it um, and we have to you know, guard it very carefully, those days are over. Uh, pretty much the default now is that Uh, The expectation is that any vendor you work with should be able to set up an API uh, to be able to connect the information that they're managing for you to other systems that you have. Um, And I'd say that's absolutely critical because without that, you're going to be spending a lot of time and money on a vendor to do something for you, but you're not going to be able to leverage the value of that service uh, to the other systems that you might have. Uh, so whether it's a CRM that needs a talk uh, to Epic uh, and be able to m- manage the information flows there um, or, you know, any other system you can think of, that kind of integration is really just a, completely a must-have now. Not very long ago, people were very focused on finding partners that were local to them. And clearly mm-hmm. in something like, for example, enterprise software, they may not, that just is impossible. There's only one or two or three major vendors um, but the local issue, you know, for example, on the agency side, you know, how important is that to your, I mean, do you find that some clients really, really want to find somebody local and maybe give up some of that vertical expertise and others find that it's just fine to work with people, you know, across the country and, and how is that evolving, you know, obviously with technology and the needs of pandemics and all those kinds of things, how is that evolving? Well, I'm smiling because, you know, if you had asked me that question a year ago, I'd probably have a slightly different answer. Um, My answer then might have been, if you're looking for an agency of record where you're going to have lots of meetings talking about big picture things, about branding and logos and, you know, the whole whole scheme of things that a marketing uh, function has to deal with, then probably having someone who could you could meet with in person on a regular basis without having them to fly across the country and stay at a hotel, someone who might be local would have a big advantage. Um, however, things have really changed. And I think that that as we get, get become to get more comfortable with uh, working from home and using tools like Zoom, and we're still in the early days of figuring all this out, not just for healthcare, but for all businesses everywhere. But as we become, become more comfortable with this type of working uh, environment, I think the, uh, the feeling that we have to have someone local is going to diminish.
Let's talk about the whole RFP, RFI system. Certainly that can be you know, very effective. It can wind up being frustrating, a monster task for everybody involved. What are some of, the, what are your, some of your thoughts on this? Pros and cons, better ways of doing it than others? Well, certainly most, most large organizations have some sort of mandated process that you have to, you can't just go hire somebody, you know, spend $5 million a year with them without some sort of process to make sure that they're the right fit. And that's usually an RFI, uh, well, usually an RFP. Um, an RFI, of course, is what you do before that when you're trying to figure out the vendors. So I think that that's not going to go away. Uh, a large organization that's being financially stable and responsible is, in, is always going to have a process in place to make sure they're getting the right vendor. And they're following all the rules that they should be following uh, in terms of uh, the people that they give big contracts to. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing a lot of work ahead of time to make sure that one, the number of vent, the, the vendors that you're, you're sending this RFP, RFP, RFP to are the right vendors, and two, that the RFP that you send out is something that they can really respond to and, and, and gives them all the information that they need. Um, one of the things that I see many times uh, from, uh, from the vendor side is that the RFPs that come in are really light. They don't really give enough background information uh, so that the, the vendor could really understand where the, uh, the customer is coming from. Uh, so I think there has to be a good balance between understanding that there's a relationship that you're building with this vendor or whoever, whichever vendor you ultimately select, and you need to be able to give them enough information so that they can make a very good recommendation. Uh, so, for example, that means really detailing on the RFP what your current situation is and what, the, what are the drivers forcing you to, f- to look for another agency and making sure the vendor understands exactly what's on the table, what you're coming to them in the relationship with, um, and then what your expectations are. So that, that's much larger than just a, a straightforward RFP that doesn't have a lot of meat on it. From our point of view as an agency, that's uh, I'm usually much more excited about is when I can get a sense that there is an RFI at the beginning, request for information. Mm-hmm. And in that step, what that means to me at least, and I would love to get your feedback on this, is okay, great. Before we're having we're not having a cattle call, we're making sure that the people that are going to invest the time and energy to create the RFP, because not only is it a massive amount of work for an agency, for example, to respond, especially if it's a formal RFP process with um, that that they're that the that you're qualified and it's a you know it's a reasonable number of right. people competing uh, is the so from my point of view the RFI is a really really important first step and of course from the uh, it's also a lot less to review on the hospital side or the health mm-hmm. system side do you agree with that I mean how important are oh RFIs? totally I totally I mean I think that you know these these structured processes have a place and the RFI really should be there to make sure that you're qualifying the vendors that, first of all, the RFI gives you information. I mean, request for information. It's going to help educate you on uh, the customer on what is possible, because a lot of these vendors are going to come to you with solutions to things that you've never even thought of. Some of them might be very useful. Others may not be appropriate to you, but there's going to be a lot that you're going to learn from an RFI. 
And once you have that, then you're in a better place to make an RFP that is actually much more relevant to what you actually need. Uh, so I definitely, uh, when I did vendor selection projects at the University of Maryland, uh, I definitely had used that, that, those two steps. I did an RFI first. Um, I actually would bring in a consultant uh, who had expertise in that particular area to bring down the number of vendors that I was sending the RFI to, and then based on those responses, then that would bring it down to a smaller number of vendors that would receive the RFP. Do you warn, again, some people may have to legally kind of accept or put the um, RFP out to the entire world, but from an agency standpoint, if you're one out of 100 agencies, it's, you know, the question is, do I even want to get involved with this? And you could actually, from my point of view, at least lose some good people or good prospects because it's just, it just seems so daunting. Do you have any advice on the number of people that you're soliciting and should you be upfront with that? What are some of your thoughts there? Well, I think, I think it should be upfront. I think many times the vendors are left out in, in the cold and that the, uh, the customers are coming to the vendors and they feel like they're in a complete position of power and they can be as uh, opaque and mysterious as they want in the RFP. Um, however, a really good vendor may not need to deal with that kind of um, obstruction or problems. Uh, they're going to have uh, customers coming to them that are actually looking for the right vendor and are giving lots of the information out that will help that vendor make the right choice. So I think that companies and large organizations that try to hold their cards close to the vest are sometimes are shooting themselves in the foot because they, they're ruling out vendors that might have been a great match for them. Uh, so I try to be as upfront as possible. Um, there definitely should be some phone calls and conversations uh, to help qualify the vendors before you even send out an RFI. Um, why should you be wasting anybody's time if that, if that company isn't the right fit for you? Um, so I think, you know, the more work you can put up front with that kind of uh, discovery, uh, the much more likely you are to have a better outcome. Again, agencies are busy too. And it's, I, once in a while I get an RFP blind, I don't know who this is. And I remember the one I got uh, about a year ago, which was they were really looking for a PR firm. And if you looked on page 89 in Mice Type, it said something like, we will heavily favor um, PR agencies in our county. Well, first of all, we're not really a PR agency. <laughs> Secondly, right. we're not in their county. So I had to read through 80 pages to get to that. And, you know, it's, it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of their time, too. It doesn't make any sense. And so I think that the idea of, um, you know, communicating and being a little bit more upfront um, will lead to a better outcome. And, you know, I guess I have a comment on this, too, and I don't know how you can uh, describe this, but you know, really, we're presuming you're looking for a partner, typically, right? And that it's the, if you're starting a partner that way, <laughs> that's kind of a right. hard way it's, to start. Right. I mean, I can I can tell you I, that I every you. Um, vendor selection project where I was running, nobody got any surprise RFPs or RFIs. Um, I would have the phone calls, that first introductory call. Tell oh. me about your company. What do you do? What do you focus on? What don't you focus on? And the folks that would get an RFI or an RFP from me, they'd already talked to me. Uh, they already knew, they'd asked the questions, I'd answered, we had a good conversation. So it wasn't a surprise. And I certainly wouldn't expect, to me, if I was a vendor and I received a blind RFP or a blind RFI, that would definitely go much lower on my priorities. 
uh, than someone who had actually made the effort to talk to me and make sure that I was the right fit. It's really rare that when we get something like that blind where they haven't talked to us, and it's usually not only have they not talked to us, they refuse to talk to us. And so, right. you know, they're asking us to spend hundreds of hours preparing for something, and they won't even tell us who, if anybody, how many people are playing. And usually when we get those kinds of thing, opportunities in quotes, you know, there's dozens of agencies out there, and we just pass. We, we're too busy. You know, we want right. to be a partner. And that's really, I think, at the end of the day, the key issue here is uh, without being obnoxious, we only have so many hours in the day. And if we feel like um, already there's this sort of obscure need and we're just sort of guessing and throwing proposals over the castle wall, um, that's never worked out well in my experience, <laughs> anyway. And and it so, and it probably uh, won't won't work out for the for the customer either, um, which has always mystified me that you would take that stance as a customer to say, well, I'm not going to talk to them. They're going to respond to the RFP. Uh, it's on them. That's not how I want to start a partnership. From the agency standpoint, I can speak for um, the industry to some regard on that. Is that it's a pretty common issue and. Um, from the agency side is, you know, even respond to this. And again, the more, the problem is, is again, we, you could lose somebody who's really great, um, mm -hmm. because they, you know, if they feel like this is already starting off their own foot, it's not exciting to them. Are there any other final thoughts or any, you know, sort of key takeaways or things we haven't talked about that you think are really important people remember? Well, I guess, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to pitch my, well, my, uh, directory, uh, because there's one really big factor, a very positive factor in our industry. And that is how the folks inside our industry, the people running marketing programs inside healthcare organizations. I've been going to conferences with these folks for over 20 years. And I find that it's a community that really helps each other out. Um, so I go to conferences, I, I see people talking in the hallways, they're talking about their experiences with different vendors, they're helping each other out. And my directory is designed so that anyone can come in and see reviews and ratings from their peers talking about their experience with, this, with, with these different agencies. So I think that's really critical. And um, whether you go to my directory or you just pick up the phone and you talk to your colleagues across the street, getting that kind of feedback will be very, very valuable to you. Ed is currently founder of the martech.health Martech website right. directory. And then we talked offline uh, again about, um, you know, sort of a new and enhanced version of your business where for those hospitals that, you know, feel maybe overwhelmed or they really need someone to call those vendors and they want those personal insights of all that experience that you have for over the years and would like you to help you, you know, get you involved in a bigger way to curate the list and come up with a short list and hold their hand through these very, very important decisions. Um, you're open to that as well, correct, Ed? Definitely, definitely. Uh, the, the first thing they should do is simply reach out to me via email or pick up the phone and call me. Um, happy to have that conversation and see if uh, this, what I offer is a good fit for what they need. And then we can, we can figure out the process from there. Very good. And your contact information, Ed? It's on my website. I'm at uh, ebennett at martech.health. Well, hey, um, Ed, this has been fantastic. It's uh, always fun to talk to you. And Same here. Uh, again, Ed is, you know, he's a member. Are we the first member of the Healthcare Internet Hall of Fame? I was one of the first. Um, back when it was first launched, I think 2012. And uh, uh, it was a real honor to, to, be, to be recognized that way. Yeah, so again, Ed is just a delightful guy, uh, super knowledgeable, uh, been around the block. So, Ed, thank you. 